Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Thursday, September the 27th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here, as always, to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we break down the New England Patriot offense and defense ahead of Sunday's pivotal matchup in Foxborough, and we discuss the gravity of that game at hand and answer your Twitter questions. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that rating. Leave us that review. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. You can find my work at LockedOnDolphins.com, featured columnist at the Palm Beach Post, FanRag Sports, and a litany of other publications. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, that LockedOnDolphins.com blog is loaded with daily content. We have stuff for you guys up there today that is actually being published as I record this podcast. So check that out and of course the other locked on sports family of podcasts like the locked on heat podcast and locked on nfl podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams and we have an absolute mass unit on both sides of the football for both teams in regards to the injury report let's go ahead and have mad dog lead us into that And for the Pats, there is a group of players. I didn't list them all because there are some that are less known than others. But for their core players, Marcus Cannon, the tackle, safety Patrick Chung, defensive end Trey Flowers, wide receiver Josh Gordon, tight end Rob Gronkowski, tight end Jacob Hollister, cornerback Eric Rowe, and defensive tackle Danny Shelton were all listed on Wednesday's injury report as limited participants. So they were out there on the field but did not participate in full practice. And for the Miami Dolphins, it wasn't a whole lot better. Chase Allen, Danny Amendola, Andre Branch, A.J. Derby, and Cameron Wake all did not practice. It sounds like Andre Branch and A.J. Derby are going to miss the game on Sunday. And Rashad Jones was limited in practice, while Devon Godshaw and Ryan Tannehill, Bobby McCain, and John Denny were all listed, but full participants in practice on Wednesday. Rashad Jones is the big one, the big deal that really kind of cost the Dolphins in that Raiders game on some of those communication breakdowns and big plays to Jordy Nelson. He said to Joe Shad that he's not 100% sure if he can play on Sunday, but I think a lot of the confidence around the Dolphins fan base and the team alike relies upon Rashad Jones being out there for this game. So definitely something to keep an eye on. We'll keep you guys updated on that throughout the week at LockedOnDolphins.com as well as on the podcast. We have the Patriots preview up right now on LockedOnDolphins.com so you guys can check that out. But enough of injury talk. Let's go ahead and talk about this massive, massive football game coming up on Sunday. That's another Miami Dolphins. And I think it finally hit me today, Wednesday, as I record this podcast, just how big this game is for the Dolphins. And I think the reason I was kind of slow to realize the overall gravity of it all was because I don't think it's a high-risk game for the Miami Dolphins. Because if the Dolphins lose... Everything is still in front of them, and granted, if the Patriots lose, it is too, but that three-game division lead, we'll talk about that here in a second, but the Dolphins come into this game more than a touchdown underdog. They're favored, or the Patriots are favored by seven and a half points in a building that visiting teams simply don't win in, and yes, that is a defeatist mentality. However, at 3-0 and right now, the Dolphins are playing with house money, but where the opportunity arises, and I use that word very boldly, opportunity 
is in the potential to really bury the New England Patriots. What were the odds that that sentence was even a plausible thought after just four weeks into the new season? Everyone thought the Patriots were on their way back to the Super Bowl, and everyone thought the Dolphins were an afterthought this season. But it's real. The Patriots are not exactly flush with talent at the moment. Tom Brady has looked shaky at times so far. They really are a talent-deficient team on the offensive side of the football, and their weaknesses match up rather poorly, from a Patriots perspective, to the things the Dolphins do well on both offense and defense. This is a game where if Miami comes out and asserts themselves early, they'll grab a three-game lead in the division, and that's provided that Jacksonville beats the Jets and Aaron Rodgers disposes of the Buffalo Bills, which, let's be real, both of those things are going to happen. A three-game division lead in September. The Jets and Bills rosters are both a mess. The Patriots roster is propped up by Belichick and Brady. We all know that it has been the case for a few years now. But how much turmoil can that franchise endure? I wasn't really a believer in all of that until I talked to Mark Schofield of the Locked On Patriots podcast on yesterday's podcast, the Wednesday crossover podcast here at Locked On Dolphins. His concern is my pleasure. And I fully believe that if this season goes haywire for New England and a win by the Dolphins on Sunday makes it more likely than not that New England, they ain't winning the division this year, then I think you could actually see a divorce between those two legends in Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And then from there, you have this new age Dolphins team with a great young core. They have their quarterback in place. They have a young, awesome head coach that is a fantastic play caller and play designer. Now, more than ever, the Patriots are ripe for the picking and the AFC East is up for grabs. So that's why this game on Sunday kind of dictates the future of the division in the sense that yeah, the Dolphins could still win the AFC East if they lose this game on Sunday, and the Patriots could absolutely rebound from a 1-3 start and get into the playoffs, but the odds that the Dolphins win the division if they win this game on Sunday are greater than 75% according to football outsiders. That's an unreal number, a very highly likely proposition, while the Patriots, if they fall to 1-3, their playoff hopes sink below 30%, and I don't think knocking them off a division, the top of the division, is going to ultimately create the void in the Patriots or the divorce between Brady and Belichick. But if we continue to beat them down, they fall to one and three. If you find a way to beat them when they come to Miami, that's four losses right there. We just need the rest of the league to get them three or four more losses. And then we're talking about a nine and seven, a four or eight and eight football team in New England. And I think that will certainly stir up that controversy a little bit more in regards to Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick's disdain over the Jimmy Garoppolo thing and Tom Brady's disdain over the Alex Guerrero thing. I just think that if you put them out of the playoffs this year, all that stuff comes to a head because everything we've heard about the Patriots and their entire operation is that winning has cured all. And over the last 20 years, all they have done is win. Let's see what happens when they lose. And and your Miami Dolphins could be the ones that oblige them on their way to that ultimate destination. All right, we're going to break down the X's and the O's of the Patriots offense and defense, discuss the matchups for this important game, and we'll do all of that next after a word from my bookie. You know, we do College Picks Friday for a fun segment on the podcast to wrap up the week, but if you think you know who's going to win the games... Why not put your money where your mouth is? And you can do that by checking out my bookie. Remember, it's not who you're betting on, it's who you're betting with, and that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet you'll make this entire season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me, so that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie where you win, they pay. 
They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And since MyBookie is slammed with new bettors right now and wants to give everybody the best possible service, if you're willing to deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when using promo code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On, to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play money. If you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., you can grab that extra $25 free play by using promo code LOCKEDON25. Again, one word, LOCKEDON25. It's up to you guys, but if I were you, I'd wait until after dinner and take the extra money with MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Getting things started back up for the B Block, the actual Dolphins and Patriots preview here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, the September 27th, Thursday edition, previewing Dolphins and Patriots here. And first things up, let's go ahead and talk about the quarterback, Tom Brady. Everybody knows who he is, where he has been, and how much problems he has given this franchise at home in his career. And the first thing I want to point to is his pressure numbers, passing the football when pressured by the opposition. And he's been pressured quite a bit this year, 25% of his dropbacks have heated pressure this year, and he's having an okay year in terms of throwing under pressure. He's 13th rated quarterback under pressure at 81.3 passer rating, and he's had to throw the ball away a few times. And the reason I bring this up is because I've just noticed by watching their games on Game Pass that he doesn't look as comfortable in that pocket right now. And I think a big part of that is what left tackle Trent Brown has brought to that team in replacing Isaiah Wynn out there it doesn't look good for him, and he has to face Robert Quinn come Sunday. And while I'm excited or not excited, I'm I'm discouraged by the Patriots' interior offensive line and Joe Tooney, Shaq Mason, and David Andrews up front. They have been there forever. They're solid. They're cohesive. They have that continuity. They're going to be tough to beat in the passing game. They can be had in run blocking, but those tackles are flat-footed. They're plotters. They're slow. They don't get to the edge very well. They don't have a good kick slide. And what do the Dolphins' edge rushers do best? They have a great first step, a great get-off, a great bend, and great explosiveness off that edge. So if they can create pressure with the four-man rush, which I think is going to be the plan, you don't want to blitz Tom Brady, you don't want to play zone against Tom Brady, I think that'll be the plan. I think the Dolphins can create pressure with their four-man rush, just like the Detroit Lions did, who really went to town on that Patriots offensive line. And that's really the key matchup to watch, this Dolphins four-man rush against that Patriots O-line. And will the Patriots be able to run the football in this game? Because if they can't and they become one-dimensional with their wide receivers being what they are, that's a recipe for disaster for the Patriots for the home team. And we know the Dolphins have allowed just 3.3 yards per carry this year, top five in the NFL currently. I don't know if that matchup bodes well for the Patriots either. Like I said, those interior offensive linemen have not gotten good push this year. The creativity in the running game hasn't been as extravagant with the Patriots as where it was in years past. I think there's a lack of trust there between Brady and the new pieces. The running backs are different. It's no longer Deion Lewis. We now know that Rex Burkhead is out. They have James White and Sony Michelle, who's off to a bit of a rough start. So the running game might be a challenge for the Patriots, but where they can get you is by throwing the ball to the running backs. And this is kind of the same thing every single week on this podcast, talking about teams coming after the Dolphins linebackers with the running backs in the passing game. That'll be a challenge. I think it's a key to sniff out those screens, prevent those flats and swing passes that the Patriots love to do. And that's why I think Jerome Baker might have a say in this game. And I hope he gets on the field in some of those sub packages or even the base defense, just covering those guys up into the flat. He did very well in that regard last week. Now, the big 
question is, who do you put on Rob Gronkowski? How do you deal with him? And I've been kicking this idea back and forth all week. I love what the Jaguars did with Jalen Ramsey, kind of shutting him down in the AFC Championship game. And they did it again in week two. Gronk only had two catches for something like 15 yards. He only has six catches for like 65 yards over the last two games. And teams are finding a way to take away Rob Gronkowski and putting the game into the hands of Philip Dorsett, Chris Hogan. And I suppose now you're going to have a potentially Josh Gordon back for this game. We'll see what happens with that. But I think the way they should do this is you bracket Gronk between the 20s. You put a linebacker underneath. You'd reroute him every single play. Get your hands on him. Reroute him. Have a safety over the top. And just make it so that he has to you know, have a really great pass protection and an extended route to get open and just shut him down because the other positions across the board, Xavier Howard on Chris Hogan or Josh Gordon, and then you have Bobby McCain and Minka Fitzpatrick to do a Philip Dorsett and whoever else they want to throw at you. I think you can completely shut down the Patriots passing game if you just take Gronk out with that bracket while keeping Xavier Howard free to lock down somebody else until you get into the red zone, at which point I would go ahead and put Xavier Howard right on Rob Gronkowski, just erase him and make the Patriots score their touchdowns with someone else not named Gronk. Now flip it over to the defensive side for the Patriots, and we talked to Mark Schofield on the podcast last night about what Dante Hightower coming back was supposed to do for this team. And I actually wrote about this this summer, talking about how he kind of brings the glue back together in that front seven. But Mark said that Dante is moving slow, and the tape backs that up. He's a, he's a beat slow against both the run and the pass. He's not getting pressure on the quarterback, and he really has been the guy that has been able to create pressure on the quarterback with different blitzes coming off the edge, wherever they line him up. They love to send him at the quarterback, but he hasn't been able to do it this year. And Trey Flowers being out of the game last week had a big part of that as well. It sounds like he might be back. We'll see. That's a big deal for the Patriots defense. If they don't create pressure on Ryan Tannehill, he's going to sit back there and carve this defense up because whether it's Jonathan Jones in the slot, Eric Rowe on the outside, there are guys that are ripe for the picking in this Patriots secondary. As long as you kind of just avoid Stephon Gilmore, they can get stuff done. And I don't think that pressure is coming anytime soon because Danny Shelton, Malcolm Brown, Adam Butler... Lawrence Guy, these guys are not pass rush specialists. They love to clog lanes and create freedom for the linebackers to stuff the run, but they're not going to create pressure on their own on one-on-ones. So I think Miami has a fantastic opportunity to give Ryan Tannehill a clean pocket. And then from there, it's all these shifty, speedy, multifaceted receivers the Dolphins have to attack this Patriots cornerback group that just isn't that good when you get beyond Stephon Gilmore. And they're down that linebacker, Jawan Bentley, who was really coming on strong this year and making a case for being a full-time starter and a permanent fixture on that defense. He is now out for the year on IR. I just don't really see where the matchups that benefit the Patriots in this game. It seems like almost a wash across the board. And I talked about this offseason, how the Dolphins roster actually lines up pretty favorably to the New England Patriots outside of the quarterback position. But now as that gap closed with Ryan Tannehill playing so well and Tom Brady kind of struggling to start the season... This game seems lopsided in the Dolphins' favor. So why is nobody picking them? I think it's just kind of that inherent cautious optimism we all have regarding this football team. Of course, the Dolphins are coming off of a game where they played 76 snaps on defense with a limited defensive line rotation. That is going to weigh heavy into their conditioning this week. They're going to have to get over that and get themselves ready to play for Sunday. Of course, playing in New England's tough. I just don't I don't feel confident going into that building ever. We know, we absolutely know the officials are going to have an impact in this game. They always do. Call it, you know, conspiracy theorist. Whatever it is, there's always a conspiracy when it comes to the Patriots and the hometown officiating. That'll be a thing. 
So I want to pick the Dolphins to win this game. I really do. I think they match up well enough to do it, to get that big road win, to get that franchise-altering win, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to bet against Belichick and Brady in Foxborough with their backs up against the wall and lose three games for the first time in a row since 2012. I'm not going to make that call until I see those guys carried out on their proverbial shields. So my prediction for the game, Patriots 28, Dolphins 20, and I hate to say it, but we go right back to that disrespectful place of pretender and no one buys into us just yet. But that doesn't mean the season is anywhere near over. I just think this game is going to be a very, very tough obstacle. And I'm just not going to pick them to win this game until I see them do it. All right, we have one more segment here left for the podcast, the Thursday, September the 27th podcast. It'll be your Twitter questions. And we're going to get to those next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Rolling into segment number three, the preview podcast. We'll be with you guys again tomorrow, of course, for a little bit of an off-the-wall Friday podcast, getting you guys ready for the game, final prep and tune-up stuff for that game. But on this one, we're going to finish things out with a Twitter mailbag. And I'm not going to be able to get to all these. You guys asked so many great questions. I just don't have time on the podcast to answer all. I think, what is it, 27 this week. But I'm going to get to as many as I can, and we'll get some more leftover questions on tomorrow's podcast. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off. With question number one from Wilson, he is at Chad Wilson 305 You know Belichick has watched the tape and he knows our running game has dragged. What's something you would like to see done different to spark our running game, whether it be formations or motion or personnel? I don't think that he would necessarily think that the running game has dragged. It's actually been very, very effective if you consider those little pop passes from Tannehill last week to Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant as running plays, which basically they are. And that's the exact same approach that I would have against their odd man front is trying to get them stretched out wide like that, but also hit them with that split zone inside where you have the tight end peeling back against your outside or inside zone and have them come across for a kickout block or a digout block and attack that five-man front that way. The split zone is a great approach to a five-man odd front. I think that's what you'll see the Dolphins do come Sunday. Next question comes from Dante Antonelli at Antonelli Dante underscore. What percentage would you give the Dolphins of winning the AFC East with a win on Sunday and also without? I, I answered your question on Twitter here, but I do think that if they win this game, they're going to win the AFC East. I think I really think they will because that game in Miami is going to be tough for the Patriots to get. And also just a three-game lead with the half-game tiebreaker over them, that's a pretty insurmountable task when you consider there's only 16 games in the season and there'll be just 12 after this one. So I think it's going to be, this is a division-winning game in my opinion. If they lose, I think less than 50, like less than a coin flip that they actually win the division. Next question comes from Brett Legace at Brett Legace 67 From your point of view, what are the key elements of this upcoming game? We discussed it in the second segment a little bit, but I think that handling Rob Gronkowski down in the red zone and forcing the Patriots to kick field goals when they get down there is going to be key. We know the Dolphins have been stellar in the red zone on defense this year. They have five possessions where they stopped the offense altogether with an interception, a takeaway, whatever it was. Uh, fourth down stop, I should say. They have been terrific down there. If they keep that up, they'll win this game, no question. So definitely taking care of the red zone and more particularly handling Gronkowski down in the scoring zone. Next question comes from Corey Ashburn at Corhey13. A lot of people complain about all the short passes we do, but I see it across the league more now. The NFL has six quarterbacks with a yards per attempt under six. Yeesh. Last year ended with two. Tannehill is the fourth highest with 9.3. What a great stat. What do you attribute to the low YPA around the league? The offensive line? Yeah, exactly. That's where I go with it, Corey, because you have so many elite pass rushers, both on the interior and on the outside now. 
and I talk about it all the time, there are just not enough good offensive linemen to go around. It's not a glamorous position. Nobody wants to play offensive line, so they all get themselves in shape, they work on their speed and explosiveness, and they flip over to the defensive side of the ball where the money is to be made and the glory is to be earned. So you have a severe discrepancy in terms of good pass rushers versus good offensive linemen. Because let's be honest, those guys are built similarly, The difference between offensive linemen is they eat themselves to death in terms of adding that weight. So I think offensive line has a big part of it, but also just trying to stay ahead of the chains and be efficient with the offense. We have more numbers and analytics and research available to us now, and it definitely makes more sense with the way the game is going and the high completion percentage underneath to kind of replace your running game with a passing game. So that's why I think they're just... Really more first down plays are running plays that are disguised as running plays. They're actually passing plays. So I think that has a big part to do with it. Next question, and probably the last one for today, going to come from Yvonne at iSweetheart. Are we going to see more Devontae Parker this Sunday? What's your prediction? I hope not. I hope we see less of him when we get more Jakeem Grant and more Albert Wilson because those guys are producing like crazy right now in terms of their overall efficiency. But to answer your question, yeah, I do think we'll see about the same amount of him as we saw last Sunday. We know Adam Gase talked about how he had packages and plans in place to get more work for Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant. They just didn't run enough plays. So I hope the increased workload, because 44 snaps is way below league average. It's usually about 60 per game. I think if you have those extra 16 snaps they didn't have, all of those would go to the other receivers. So I would say right around 30 snaps, like a 50% player is my prediction. Probably selling a little bit short, probably closer to 60% snaps. All right, guys, we have plenty more good questions available, but I just don't have the time to get to them as that is my time on the podcast today. I'll answer some more of those questions on tomorrow's podcast, but as for now, I got to get out of here. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. Enjoy the game tonight. Be back tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up, guys. Talking out of this, I love the